Alright guys, I've got something I'm pretty excited about. And believe it or not, it's not an upcoming hunt or fishing excursion. It's these awesome hats I've stumbled across that feature some of my favorite animals to hunt and fish. If you're like me, the hunt doesn't have to stop the moment you leave the field. You take it with you. State Homegrown Apparel's hats have become my way of doing just that. Not only do they have a wide variety, but these hats will leave you feeling comfortable while still giving you a sharp, bold look. I've definitely fallen in love with these hats, and I highly recommend that you check them out today on www.statehomegrown.com. Follow them on Instagram at statehomegrown, and if you're local to Monroe or Snellville, Georgia, you can check them out in-store at Southern Roots Outfitter in Monroe or Painted Tree in Snellville. These hats have now become a part of my hunting fishing stories, and I'm sure they'll become a part of yours too. So head on over and check out State Homegrown Apparel today. When you go to order your hats from statehomegrown.com, be sure to enter the code SAMHUNTER15 for a 15% discount off of your order. Hey guys, this is Sam Hunter. Welcome to the Sam Hunter Podcast, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping, and fishing. Alright guys, I'm about to walk you through my first ever turkey harvest, and after that, I'm going to take you over to talk to Troy Cornett to hear about his amazing white turkey harvest that all of social media is talking about. Well, it finally happened. I finally got my first turkey, and it was an incredible, incredible moment. Now, I say finally, but last season was the first season that I hunted turkeys, and I went uh, less than a handful of times. I went about um, three times, and I did see a turkey pretty much every time that I went, um, but it's possible. It was so far away that it's it was impossible to even tell. You know, it could have been a hen. It could have been, uh, you know, a young gobbler. Obviously, it wasn't strutting because um, I wasn't able to tell. And I was also using a bow, um, so those factors did not exactly lead up to a successful conclusion. However, this season starts out, and I go on my first turkey hunt. Um, it was an enjoyable time in the woods. Uh, the weather wasn't too hot. Um, you know, I was expecting a lot of insects. Um, and when I say insects, specifically the part of the woods I'm talking about, uh, we run into a lot of wasps, yellow jackets, things like that. Of course, ticks, mosquitoes, all those things are obviously a part of, um, they can be a part of the experience and they're in the back of everyone's mind. More so for me, the particular spot I was going to, uh, I was thinking about some other insects, like I said, the, the wasp, the hornets, um, yellow jackets, all these things, because they're just highly concentrated in the area that I needed to go. Um, but fortunately on this day, for whatever reason, you know, it wasn't cold, but 
Um, it wasn't unbelievably hot. It was just a nice warm day. And the bugs were held at bay. They just, you know, they stayed away. Um, and, you know, I did some calling uh, this year. or Yeah, this season I got a box call, so trying something new. And a good three and a half hours or so had passed before I finally saw a turkey. Uh, I only saw it for a split second. And I, you know, very carefully looked down and just put the box call down, looked back up and never saw that turkey again. So it could have seen me just from that little bit I looked down. I don't even know. Um, And again, it was so quick and from so far away that once again, I couldn't 100% in that, you know, instance identify was that a hen? Was that a gobbler? You know, none of that. It was just all very quick. All I knew is 100% that was a turkey. So anyway, I stayed there another hour and a half or so until dark. Right before dark, um, I heard the one gobble. I heard that whole hunt. And that was it. It got dark. I left. And I remember driving home feeling very frustrated. Uh, Last year, during the three attempts that I had, you know, I was just enjoying being out there. And I wasn't at any time too upset with the way things were going. I was just kind of um, given a shot in the dark. You know, it was my first season. I hadn't really looked into a lot of stuff. I was just trying to figure it out on my own. And the start to this season was a little different. Um, I was using a shotgun for turkey hunting for the first time uh, instead of the bow and had the box call. I did have a decoy set up which I don't know if the turkey saw that decoy or not. It's possible that it did, but either way, I, like I said, I saw that turkey for a split second and didn't see it again. Now for this hunt, uh, or for this season, that first hunt went by, like I said, um, and used that decoy. I had used it last season as well. But second hunt came, and I took my son with me, my oldest, and it was his first time going on a turkey hunt with me. He'd been on a few deer hunts with me. And on the times he's been deer hunting with me, we just haven't seen deer. But in this instance, I was hoping, because in the past we'd had a lot of trail cam pictures, a whole lot of turkeys um, on this part of the property. So I was hoping it'd be a different scenario. But after how the first hunt went, I just really wasn't sure. So we went out early. Um when deer season is around, we normally get there at dark, just before sunrise, and kind of let a reset happen there, uh, and things to kind of calm down once we get set up. In this case, we got there right as the sun was coming up. I mean, it had just turned daylight as we were getting out of the truck. And I wasn't really concerned about that, because I had, you know, seen and and researched that it's much more acceptable uh, and can work out oftentimes getting there at that time. Whereas with deer hunting, it's often a good idea to get there in the dark. But we got there right as you know it was becoming light, made our way through the woods. Um, we we're moving at a you know quiet but fairly quick pace just to get set up still. Um, I had set up a blind and so we got in the ground blind, set up the chairs. Um, and the way I was facing is 
obviously where I pictured they were going to come. So I did a box call call. So I did a hen call. And within 30 seconds, I heard a fairly loud uh, gobble. And it came from behind me and pretty much like behind me and to the left. So pretty quickly, I completely switched up the setup inside and switched our chairs and, and which direction I was looking. I still wasn't looking right to where the sound had come from. Um, I was looking, instead of the straight on way I was looking, I was now looking to the right, which would mean if they came up from the way that I heard them, they would come out from my right into my view. So we set up and I was very encouraged that they gobbled um, to the call. Last season, I had a different kind of call, and I never once heard a turkey gobble, which is obviously not a great sign. Not that they can't come out if they don't gobble, but it just, you know, it was a different scenario. So, and then obviously from the previous hunt this season, not having heard anything until literally like five minutes before dark, um, I was just very encouraged that like 30 seconds into this hunt, I'm hearing a loud gobble. So, of course, feeling very excited at this point. And, you know, my son's eyes got wide. My eyes got wide. We looked at each other, and it was just kind of like, okay, this, here we go. Hunt's on. Here we go. And, anyway, rearranged the chairs, um, waited a little bit, and went back at it again to see. And, you know, not much longer, heard another gobble response. Um, This went on, and as time went on, I started to call a little bit softer over time and to space out a little bit more the frequency as I went just from stuff I had looked up researched videos of other guys I'd seen turkey hunting and what they were doing um and I will say that this worked pretty well um as time went on the less frequency that I gobbled and the or not gobbled um called on the box call and the softer that I called, the louder the return gobbles were getting. And so we knew they were closing in. And at one point, and I kept looking kind of through the back of the blind because I had set up, um, everything was closed except two windows, the one right in front of me and the one directly to my left because I figured it would be easy to turn the shotgun to the left if I needed to or could just shoot straight out the front. Um, but I, and I left them kind of cracked to still eliminate some visibility as much as I could, but to where I could still get the gun out there and and see turkeys, obviously behind me, I did leave one of the mesh windows open, but I had the main window shut so I could still see out, but it'd be kind of hard for them to see me. And that turned out to be pretty helpful as well. It was a little bit more risky because I feel like they potentially could have seen some movement through that meshing, um, mesh screen, but it, it worked out this day. So we, it, there came to a point where I heard a gobble that was pretty loud. And, and as the day or as the morning had gone on, um, I had started to feel like I was hearing a couple gobbles uh, and sl- like close to the same direction, but slightly different. So I wasn't sure if it was the same turkey moving or different turkeys, but sometimes it sounded slightly farther away and sometimes slightly closer. So I was thinking maybe there was more, you know, than one. 
or maybe it was just, you know, I, I didn't know. But at one point I heard a gobble that seemed fairly loud and I looked behind me through the mesh where it was coming from and to my surprise I couldn't see anything and I could see for a long ways. So it may have just been a certain angle they were at, I don't, I don't know, but I couldn't see anything. But I knew that gobble sounded close, really close. So I waited a little bit longer than I even had been to this point. Okay, and at this point, the hunt has gone on for about an hour, uh, maybe an hour or five minutes or so. Um, so everything's happened fairly quickly, I would say, from the amount of time I've spent on hunts before. And this time I waited a good eight to ten minutes before calling, and I called so quiet, quieter than I've ever called on this box call. Like, I just tapped it with my finger four to five times kind of spaced out and it did a raspy cluck, which is what I wanted. And it was a very soft, very soft, raspy cluck. So very shortly after that, you know, there was a, a silence for a moment, just a dead silence. And then there was the loudest gobble that I've ever heard in my entire life. And I felt like my, my son and I almost came out of our chairs. We were just, you know, we did not expect that. It sounded like it was right on top of us. Um, and so I, we waited a little bit, and then seconds later it was like it sounded like a turkey was basically a centimeter from us and just rose up and flew away because I, we heard wings like crazy. And so, you know, I was freaking out thinking, okay, there was a turkey. He must have seen me move when he gobbled, and I, and I jerked forward like that in my chair, and he must have taken off. Um, so I looked through the back meshing or mesh window, that was closed and I could see a huge turkey, huge tail fan. And it was coming out from behind a tree. The rest of the turkey I couldn't see. I couldn't see his face or most of his body, only his tail fan basically. Um, so he was still there. I watched him and I saw him just pounding his wings, drumming on the ground. Um, so I knew that must have been the sound I was hearing. Um, and at that point, I'm whispering to my son, you know, more so motioning than anything and mouthing, there's a turkey, there's a turkey. Um, and so at that point, you know, it was, I would say, four to five-ish yards from my son, um, just on the other side of the blind there. And I knew at that point, it would be very risky to cluck at all, to use that um, box call. I did need the turkey to come forward more and then to come to his left. So he'd come out in front of me. Um, so I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to sit here, see what he does. Uh, if he doesn't, I can do maybe one more of those very, very soft raspy clucks on this box call and we'll see what happens. So I looked I was looking at the turkey, looked at my son, looked back at the turkey, looked back at my son, just motioning for him to be still and, of course, to be quiet, although he was, um, and looked back at the turkey again, and it was totally gone. No turkey, no tail fan, no turkey, and then my heart starts beating out of my chest because I know at that point he probably walked forward, which means there's a good chance he could come around the front of me, which is what I've been wanting the whole time to happen. So... I 
get ready. I get the, the shotgun up and just ready to fire in case he comes out. And seconds later, across a little bit of ways in front of me, I see uh, three or four hens come out. And they're coming from the opposite direction. Um, and earlier, I did think that I heard another clucking, like in correspondence to the box call that I was using. Um, so that must have been those hens. And they came out. Um, it They didn't happen much. I think the whole time it was like one time that it happened and they did about eight clucks and that was it. Um, and for a split second, just being fairly new to the turkey hunting world, I remember wondering, you know, is there another um, hunter in the distance? Because our property borders another property. Uh, and, you know, maybe there was a hunter way off in the distance, I had thought. Um, but then near the end of those eight clucks, I really thought, I feel like that's an actual hen. And it turns out it was. So um, those came out. And then a split second after that, I saw the redhead of uh, the gobbler come around. And um, I watched him for a second. And I just kind of wanted him to come a little bit more to the left, just a little bit more to the left. But I thought I may just go ahead and take this. But he took a few steps, went right to the left, immediately put it on him. As soon as I put um, the shotgun on his head, he immediately turned, looked at me, and in that moment I fired, and down he went. Uh, so, you know, at, at this point, I am, I have so much adrenaline, it's not even funny. Any of you who have done this for any, you know, amount of time know what I'm talking about, especially if you can think back to your first turkey, which I'm sure you can. Um, so the turkey's down. He's still, you know, um, for, the, for that split second, he's moving, he's flapping his wings, he's going down. And they're basically out of nowhere, and, and they were there the whole time, but I couldn't see them, come three to four other gobblers that were with him coming around the side of the blind that I never saw. And um, when they came around, it came to a point where when the turkey that I had just shot stopped moving, he had kind of suck, sunken down, or, you know, not sunken down, but when he was flapping and, and everything, I could still see his wings above the brush. When he stopped, I couldn't see him anymore. And just with it being the first one, my brain starts to go crazy thinking, did he just get away? Um, and I'm seeing these other turkeys thinking, okay, if he just got away, I need to take one of these. But the rule in Georgia switched this year where you can't take two turkeys in a day anymore. And you don't get three for the season. You get two for the season and you can't take them both on the same day. So I know at this point that I need to be very careful about this decision that I make. Um, because if he's already down and I take another, that's no good. So I decide I'm going to do something, at least in my mind at the time, I consider it a little risky to open up the blind and, and make my way out and as quickly as I can get to where I can see if that turkey is down. And if he's not, try to basically get one of those turkeys before they get away. As soon as I start to open up the blind, they're taken off. The hens have already taken off when I shot the gobbler. And um, as soon as I open up the blind and start to come out, the four 
other toms start to go and I quickly make my way and I'm still not seeing it, still not seeing it. Now they're pretty much gone and I'm like, oh, this turkey better be down because now they're really getting away. And I get right around this tree where I can finally see and there he is. And just in that moment, the amount of joy and excitement and even more adrenaline, um, it was just such an incredible experience, such an incredible day, and so awesome that my son got to experience this all with me. Um, so I call him over. He's looking at the turkey. I'm looking at the turkey. We're taking pictures, all that good stuff. Um, and that was my first turkey experience. Uh, again, not my first turkey hunt. Um, still fairly new to the turkey hunting world, but for it to all go right and to hear gobble, gobbler, gobbles the whole time, such an incredible experience. And the way I've described it since is playing Marco Polo with Velociraptor Thunder Chickens. Now, Thunder Chickens, that's just what people call them. Velociraptor, it's just my own weird little take on it. Um, when they were coming, or, or and I, again, just thought it was one at the time, but coming around the blind, drumming the ground, gobbling so loud, the way it almost knocked us out of our seat. Looking back, it almost just took me back to, in this kind of a weird connection, but watching um, Jurassic Park as a kid and remembering that scene where they're in the kitchen and the velociraptors are coming in and they're screaming and every time they do, the kids kind of flinch and cringe and, you know, the raptors start making those really loud noises and they've got their big... Um, talons and claws uh and it made me think of the you know the turkey's um spur spurs and how they're making those noises and drumming and coming around and it just in a weird way it was just kind of a cool little it just reminded me of that and so yeah I feel like that day was playing Marco Polo in the woods with Velociraptor Thunder Chickens um and I'll never forget that experience it was so much fun uh I got to do some duck hunting earlier this year for the for the first time got my first ducks and I remember thinking like this is a lot of fun because deer hunting is very rewarding and yes at times it is fun um, and it's enjoyable just to be out in the woods but there's a lot of waiting and honestly a lot of suffering that goes into deer season sitting through four five six seven hours in the freezing cold sometimes raining on you uh, if it gets through your camo stuff because um, it's not completely waterproof, then you're really freezing. And I went through that plenty of times in the past, you know, several years and um, a lot this season as well, just completely miserable. Um, and of course, when things worked out, it was very rewarding, but the hunt itself wasn't always fun. The, the duck hunt was incredibly fun and this turkey hunt in particular was very fun. So... You know, it was just, it was a great new experience, and I look forward to getting back in the turkey woods and uh, getting back after those Velociraptor Thunder Chickens even more. Now that you've heard about my first turkey harvest, allow me to take you on a ride through my conversation with Troy Cornett about his incredible white turkey harvest that again all of social media is talking about and you may have already heard about it but I've got the full story right here so listen in hey Troy how are you doing good Sam how you doing 
I'm doing awesome, man. I appreciate you joining us here on the podcast today. And first off, I got congrats on a turkey of a lifetime. Thank you so much. Uh, not only the exposure, but the experience in the hunt itself, man, was just, man, I mean, you know, lo- lose the ability to find words to express not only the gratitude, but just uh, to try to put an experience like that, um, you know, into words, man, is, is a struggle. Absolutely. And, you know, my goal this year was to get my first turkey. I got my first turkey, but I've not got the coyote yet. But on this hunt that we're about to talk about, you actually got the turkey of a lifetime and the coyote. Isn't that right? That's right. And if you would, just kind of take us through um, not only the hunt, but kind of, you know, from that first moment, that first year, you knew about the turkey kind of as the years went on, what was happening, the updates in the hunt trail cam picks and then finally leading up to that epic moment when you got that turkey and the coyote and how that all played out cool yeah so i'll take you from the very top man uh it's it's fall 2019 on my dad's property um deer hunting like normal and i see that bird um late in the evening and he's flocked up with probably uh, roughly 18 20 birds man and um he's feeding through this through this field um i believe it was soybeans that year anyways it'd been it'd been cut the neighboring property had been cut and that's actually where the bird uh was was on that neighboring property and i could just see it from my tree stand so um i started glassing him up with my binoculars and um i was able to get some good eyes on him and right before he flew up and was like wow that's i think that's an albino turkey like I, i'd had grew up with animals uh my whole life and so i was familiar with um with turkeys and this one i think it's like a lucius um turkey rather than an albino um but so this is in fall of 2019 and i see i see that bird tell my brothers about it so 2020 season comes in and goes and i don't have one i don't have one trail cam picture nothing and so I was a little bit disheartened. I was like, ah, oh, man, that was that was cool just to even be able to see it. And I kind of forgot about him, to be honest. So he's on the hit list. I can't sleep the night before. Like, I'm fired up because I'm like, man, the chances. Of, and I had trail cam pictures of him that that spring. And so coming into that spring, um, and I actually had had one or two trail cam pictures of him in the fall of 19. So, or coming into the spring, I guess it was really dead of winter, like probably like January, February, um, coming into the 20 season. Well, now we're going into the 21 season. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm losing my mind the night before everybody I know is like tired of me talking about it. And, and, uh, half of them don't even believe me, you know? So right, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I thank God for the trail cam pictures or, or it would have been one of those things like, yeah right come on man and um and so i'd hunted him a a few times opening day with no luck and i was calling in i'd called in a couple birds and uh and not take it was some jakes and i i I didn't shoot them but um about mid-season of 2021 i had went and um on like a midday hunt i got off work early i'm thankfully i'm self-employed so I'm able to kind of come and go pretty freely. So I was able to break away and um, midday off a project, run over there. And so I got in late. It was probably three o'clock. And as I'm walking, um, he 
into my spot, he had actually seen me just moments before I had seen him. And so got down and called and, and they, it was just too late, man. He'd picked me up. He, um, and so I blew that encounter, man, of 21. It's really heartbreaking. And I thought there's no way, given that this bird, man, is obviously a sore thumb every single day of his life from predators and the road actually there's a main road that connects to this property or to this field and so i figured he would either be poached or predator well i didn't get to deer hunt much of 21 fall of 21 and um and so they called me they called me like hey give me the heads up he's still alive he's still there and man is he a stud i'm like really the right dude his beard's dragging the ground so 20 i just knew he was special to me at this moment right realize the rarity of it so um leading up to 21 i mean to, to 22 season my wife's about to go crazy she's praying to god that i kill it just so i'll shut up about <laughs> it. <laughs> and i went in done some calling i'd actually went the night before and seen him um and i took my niece two days before and uh to try to because it was youth season the week prior leading up to our opening and we i prayed to god that that bird did not show because i wasn't going to have the heart to tell her that she couldn't shoot it but in my inside the selfish part of me was like man, I really hope she doesn't shoot this because she's not going to realize what she's killed. Right. And I took her, we hunted 13 minutes. Bird does exactly what, I mean, for turkey hunting, every turkey hunter's wish, this bird gobbled, he done it to do. And like a 22 pound, 10 inch beer, bird walks right in front of her barrel at 20 yards and she blasts him. So I was so stoked and excited that she was able to harvest a bird and not, have any um encounter with that white bird and knowing that right. he's dead. you know so i'm like thank god um that whole situation was was truly god sent so um season comes in i had i'd seen him the evening before season so i figured really closely where he was roosted and so i was able to get in pretty early listen and um when they were on roost goblin i heard I don't know, half a dozen birds gobbling pretty close together. And so I kind of got in as close as I could, probably 60, 80 yards out. And I sat down and I'm just waiting for him to fly down. And as soon as I hear one fly down, I had just done just a little bit of clucking on uh, and calling. And then I did a fly down cackle and beat my head on the ground. Well, man, it wasn't seconds later. I'd heard a bird come down out of the tree and, um, it was just seconds later, turkey come in from behind me. And so I'm just trying to ease around my head because it's closed. So I mean, it's on me. And I ease around and there's a female coyote 20 yards and she just coming right towards me. And I probably shot her about 10 or 12 yards. The first shot hit her in the back hip and because um, she started to take off and it hit her in the back hip and it just kind of spun her around and before she could really even get her foot. And um, again, I was able to eject another shell and uh, she expired just within seconds. Wow. Now I got to ask you right there. Once you shot that coyote, 
in the back of your mind, and I know any day I'm still after my first coyote, so I, I know any day you get a coyote, it's a great day. But once you've got that coyote, are you thinking in your mind the hunt's over at that point for the turkey? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, it's on the second shot when I pulled the trigger, I heard a bird 30, 40 yards away shot gobble to my shotgun blast. Wow. And so I was like, oh, man, he's – they were right here on me. Like it broke my mm-hmm. heart, man. I I just sank down. Was like, this has been such an exhausting journey, and then for this to happen. But I had that decision to make of of that coyote, and I started when the first senior. I thought I'm just gonna pass it because I know I'm close. But I thought, no, I'd actually had a dream two weeks ago that I had found that white bird. This is how obsessed I was over this <laughs> bird. Okay, I'd had a dream that I was walking through my dad's property and i found half of that bird like some feathers and where it had had been taken by a predator and i woke up and told my wife about it she's like you have a real issue that you need to possibly <laughs> see see somebody about so you know, I, I gotta tell you that right there you know i don't blame you at all because i've had a similar you know i want my first caddy so bad that i kid you not and i've talked about this on the podcast before there was a time when just a season or two ago where I was having dreams about coyotes pretty often. And I started howling. It's kind of crazy to even say I started howling in my sleep. And my wife told me you've been howling in your sleep. And I was like, yeah, really? I just had a dream. I killed the biggest coyote. Yeah. Well, please stop howling in your sleep. So you know what? We, we both got problems. I, I get it. man. <laughs> and I don't expect everyone to understand this and relate. I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude i mean so i'm glad you can relate because only a few will that's been lost sleep over the suit of an animal you know so right um so coming in you know that turkey that that coyote comes in i, I shoot it twice it dies i carry it just 30 40 yards away and I'm, I'm scratching my head going okay troy you've got one shot and you're here for one bird because no other birds getting killed off that property until I kill that white bird. And I'm, I'm like, okay, what do you going home? Let things die down, call it a day. You know I mean? I'm kind of heartbroken that I had to harvest or that I had to kill this coyote. Well, um, in a weird little way, but I'm also like, you know, grateful for that opportunity and that experience because that got my heart pumping buddy pumping when you get that oh, yeah. to a predator so um I, I just take my hat off man i'm literally scratching my head going okay let's let's recalibrate the morning and, and get get my head in a good place to continue because um i knew it was, they would probably be quiet the rest of the morning well i called and called and hunted out the rest of my morning into midday and um I finally, I had a t-ball game to get to, uh, my son's t-ball game, my coach, and I just finally threw in the towel and said, okay, I've been defeated on opening day, slightly <laughs> defeated. I mean, I still had a harvest, but when you're so set on a bird um, like that, I was I was just defeated, man, and I threw down the towel. I stood up, started to walk to my geo tracker, and which was not far parked far from me at all maybe 80 100 yards i mean very close to my vehicle i stand up and i get about halfway and i look over and i see the bird in the neighboring property 
and I could just see about 10 inches of it, maybe not even that, eight inches of its fan just behind this knoll. And I'm looking kind of through a hedgerow and I see that bird and it's, I mean, I think he's coming towards me, but it's, it's so hard to tell because being that it's the front and the back is both solid white. I can't tell it's away from me. So I'm trying to make my, you know, make my mind up. Do I make a move? Do I try to get closer? Do I drop my pack off? lay down on the, my belly and I said, okay, I've got one shot. I'm not going to take a fullest shot on this bird regardless. I'll just pass him and try for him another day. So that's why I decided to continue to hunt. Well, this uh, bird, I mean, I'm, I glass him for probably 10 minutes if I can figure out which way he's going because you, as you know, as turkeys are strutting, they're kind of pivoting back and forth and they may walk three or four foot, turn right, because they're constantly showing off, you know, and as they strut. So it took me 10, 15 minutes to even figure out which direction he's going, because every time I thought he'd be going left, he'd actually be going right, you know? So right. that was slightly frustrating, but I know he's other, I know there's other birds out there with him because I'm getting bits and pieces of them as well. As I move across towards, actually towards my uh, geo where I think they're, gonna come through the hedgerow i'm moving just like painfully slow and if you've ever had to do a stalk on an animal you know how painful this section can be <laughs> of the hunt and so i move move my shotgun up two or three feet whatever i can reach my shotgun um, i got little t-rex arms so probably one foot but still um I move my shotgun up and then I just drag my body, move my shotgun, drag my body. And I finally get in position and the bird, all I can see is his head and he's about 35 yards. And as you know, turkeys heads are a lot of them can be white and blue and red and white and blue and red. And they kind of change colors at times. And, and I won't pull the trigger because it's the, oh, man, if I shoot this bird and it's not the white one, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be very disappointed in myself. Um, and I may slip into a slight depression. I'm, I'm not sure. We're just not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I waited and waited and, and they were actually coming in, uh, in out of that neighboring field into my dad's property because he had just tilled best I can figure. And he had just tilled that garden on uh, Thursday prior to that Saturday. And so I'm, I'm thinking that they're coming into that garden. I mean, coming into his property to pick bugs and worms out of that garden because it was fresh, freshly tilled. And so I'm just like, okay, well, hopefully he'll come through this hedgerow. And sure enough, if he didn't finally make his way through that hedgerow, but he was about 40 couple yards, 42, 45 yards out. And I'm laying prone and I was able to touch the trigger. Man, when I touched that trigger, I just knew he was going to hit the ground. And he did, flopped straight over, took flight, and he, he flew up about six foot and coasted back down to the ground. Uh, and when he hit that ground, man, those other, I guess due to a dominance, were other toms that were with him, sensed that he was wounded, and they immediately attacked him and started chasing wow. him around in the field and i could tell he was really beat up not the, the way he was running like he would run a couple four or five steps and then he would fall and run a couple four or five steps and fall well right in front of me is the thickest 
nastiest briar patch bird running while running from those other toms. My heart beat myself up pretty hard at this moment because this bird did, you know, as every hunter knows, when you go to harvest it, you want to make an ethical shot to where there's as little suffering as possible, obviously. And I was real disappointed in myself that that was not the case with this bird, um, especially having so much history with it. It's in a weird little way. It's almost as if you develop some sort of relationship with it. <laughs> it's a one-sided relationship, but you 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 almost get to know the animal a little bit. Um, he bedded down in this briary patch, just really just trying to hide from those other toms, because he was able to kind of put a couple little spin moves on them and get away from them. And as he come to me, I was able to lay my shotgun down. I took just a couple deep deep breaths as he was bedded down, and there was one log about the size of your arm uh, between him and I. And so when I, he was watching those other toms in the field and he was kind of coughing and shaking his head and then he would stop and then he would go and cough and shake his head a couple of times. Well, as he was doing that, I waited for him to kind of go into another little coughing spell. And when he did that, I jumped up, hopped that log as he stood up and started to run away from me. He probably got two good steps in before I was able to scoop him up by his neck with my left hand in a full run and switched him over to my right hand in mid swing and then just did a cartwheel with his body. And I felt it, his neck break. And when his neck broke, I just hit the ground and he just flopped for maybe three seconds beside me, expired. And man, my, the amount of, of emotion that ran over me was unexplainable man i mean it was really a it was relief it was gratitude it was just all these edges i could go on and on for days on how grateful i was to for dumb luck to be on my side <laughs> at oh, no, absolutely. that much right and hearing the you know the climax of the story which the whole thing was just off the charts one of the most intense hunting stories that I've ever heard had on the podcast scene period. I mean, it is epic how this all went down with the coyote and this, and then the way, you know, other turkeys attacking him, um, him running, you sneaking up on him, the way that you in a running, you know, were able to grab him and just the whole thing is off the charts, the most intense hunt I've ever heard of. So, you know, I completely understand once you had him there, that emotion coming through because just getting my first Turkey, um, you know, a week and a half ago, a week and a half ago, the emotion that I felt was off the charts, but considering how this hunt went, you know, I can't even imagine. Um, and you know, before you get to the next part, I know you've had, like you said in the beginning, you've had a lot of people reaching out about this. You've had a lot of, um, you know, social media influence about this story. Who, like who are some of the people that, you know, have reposted kind of your story that, uh, of your turkey hunt, the one that you posted? Sure. Um, so I somehow immediately, like within two days, um, Sika had, which being a whitetail hunter and out West elk hunter and a turkey hunter, uh, really just all around outdoorsman. Um, I was just like beside myself and flattered that Sika somehow reached out and how they got the story or whatever but they had reached out and emailed me saying congratulations and 
you know, just really, really kind words. And, um, and I was just like flattered by that. Like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm calling my buddies like sick. It just seemed to grow and grow and grow. And then like meat eater, I wrote an article and published it. Um, and then, um, I'm trying to say, Oh, Buckmasters, Ontario outdoor, um, in Ontario, Canada, um, many, many, um, just hunting channel with the jury outdoors. They'd done a, um, kind of like a repost, uh, right. Uh, feed the faith done a post it, it just a lot of social media accounts had reached out hey can we post your story congratulations you know that kind of, i was obviously was just trying to share my story um right I for me it was just like oh i want to tell some of my friends and family that have the family and it's hard to sit down and pick the phone up and call and tell every one of them the story so i was like oh, i'll just post it and, you know share it with some friends and family and man, did it blow up. And it's been such an experience and really, really cool. I, you know, I, I harvested the bird. We cooked it, all six of my nieces and nephews. Um, you know, to close out the show, uh, coming off the most epic turkey hunt, I would like, you know, I would say probably in the country, this is probably the most epic turkey hunt that happened this whole year. I mean, so far, I, I can't think of any other hunt from all the stuff I've been looking into and watching that's happened. This has got to be the best one that's happened in a while. Um, so for for new t- turkey hunters, people just getting into it, um, what's your advice when it comes to persistence, staying with it? Because that was a huge part of getting this epic bird for you was persistence, staying with it over the years. So for people that are just getting into it and maybe they go on a hunt or two and they don't, maybe nothing even gobbles with them. Maybe they don't see anything. Um, what's your advice to them when it comes to persistence, staying with it on that hunt? Getting out, persist, being persistent, not giving up. I mean, there's multiple times of that morning and that story where I've said, is it over? Is my day over? And then I just kept on going and just like, and, and I just as easily could have went the other way where I wasted my entire day and not had any experience or encounter with that Turkey. You're going to have some days where you call butt off and you, there's no reward. So if you don't enjoy the process of turkey hunting, the good and the bad and the ugly, then your success will be tampered by that. So where I love to walk, and regardless if I'm getting gobbled back at, a lot of variables to the equation, but that takes so much easier to endure. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's great advice. Um, absolutely. And and thinking back to what you said, you know, way at the beginning or the middle of the story, I was kind of chuckling to myself when you talked about at one point your wife was just praying, you know, just hoping that you'd hurry up and get this bird because, you know, you just, you know, it was stressful for her too. And I was laughing about that because my wife definitely <laughs> has gone through some of those same things where she's praying, God, please let him get this, you know, whatever, to, this deer or this turkey, because, um, you know, at that point, you know, usually after a hunt, whether it goes good or bad, one of the first people I call is my wife. And so if it's not a great story and, you know, it's just me venting, she's going to be one of the first people to hear about that. So yeah, you know, I'm right there with you on that one. Absolutely, man. And, and there's, there's, there's no substitute for a good wife who will let us go and, and enjoy and, uh, pursue animals, you know, and 
my wife is the first person I call. You know, she tells the story that I was crying when I called her after harvesting this bird. I, you know, I don't remember that, whether it was a blackout or denial. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> but I like mine better where I was just overwhelmed with emotion. <laughs> Absolutely. And Troy, I just want to thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, I know people are going to love this story, hearing all the little details of it. And I wish you much continued success. Thanks for joining us on the Sam Hunter Podcast, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping, and fishing. Be sure to tune in next time, and we'll see you there.